I'm Carrie Ann. And I'm Allison, and this is Podcast Without an Audience. Where two friends pick two topics and find intersectionality. Or not. This week, I think, is going to be the not. You think so? I think so. I feel really super excited about my topic, Uh huh. but I'm curious to see if we're going to be able to do it. I'm excited, too. I will know once you say yours, and then <laughs> I will spend all of yours thinking about intersectionality. Just like I spend all of yours uh-huh. thinking about exactly. intersectionality. Exactly. Yeah. We really um, make a great team. <laughs> it's just... So I cannot help but notice that you're rocking another fantastic crop top. Drop top. As well as a pod without an odd... Brand new Tumblr. It is gorgeous and purple and sparkly. If you have not seen this on our Instagram, shoot over to there. You'll see Carrie-Anne on a balcony with her crop top, drop top, holding this large, very large, (laughs) semi-phallic Tumblr. It's beautiful. So thank you so much for my belated birthday gift. You're welcome. Yes, girl. Happy birthday. You are so A month later. 30 years old in one month. (laughs) I am so thankful for this. Um, I don't think I've ever had a custom tumbler before. So enjoy. Do not put it now. Don't put it in the dishwasher. I don't have a dishwasher. So perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. But yeah, we're kind of trying to figure out what kind of merch people might be interested in. So we're getting some samples made. We did post on our Instagram about some stickers and buttons. So we are just kind of trying to see what you guys are interested in. I would, I mean, I'm a big fan of this Tumblr and I know that this is not a thing that's currently on our list for merch, Mm -hmm. um, but maybe something adjacent. Yeah. Like we've got our Colting adjacent. We can have a Tumblr adjacent. We can absolutely do that. Merch adjacent things we sure can i want a good tank top i want a good crop top we should make crop tops we should totally <gasps> make crop tops crop top city <laughs> yeah. they have to say drop top somewhere on them yeah somewhere at the bottom gonna be an actual angel now. ashley uh if you could work on that <laughs> yeah major shout out to actual angel ashley she who makes all of this happen an actual angel i love 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 our our logos and our branding and like all of our weekly posts she found our incredible font and did all the design work she sure did she turned us into marble busts like excuse me yes girl we were not we were not born no we did not wake up like that (laughs) (laughs) so yeah shout out to the whole pod without an odd team yep Love them all. They're Speaking great. of which, you had mentioned that you were um, one of our OG Pod Without an Odd discussion group members. Yeah. Uh, Dylon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're taking a dance class. I am. This week, I was just really feeling both of my dance classes. So I take like two adult dance classes. Yeah, you do. One's ballet, one's modern. And one of our original pod without an odd group members teaches our modern class and she's so phenomenal so shout out to her Let's shout out just keep, keep the shout out train yes, rolling girl. <laughs> you get a shout out and, and you, you get, get a, a shout, shout out. out yep yep look Love under your chair you might have a shout out too but who 
look under your chair. Oh. You might have a shout out too. <laughs> uh, I can't see you. We're recording in my bedroom and we're socially distanced across the king size bed and sitting on the floor and like, so we beca- we're like officially a part of the furniture. Yeah. I can see like your eyeballs. I've got one eyeball, the other part of your, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm shorter than you. So I'm like yeah. peering over. Yep. I actually, and I felt <laughs> you came in, you looked like fucking Cinderella. You like walked through the door. I'm like in my gray sweatpants. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> um, today. That's another merch item we need to have eventually is gray sweatpants. <laughs> oh God. I can't like. I before you got here my I was feeling a little bit of anxiety my spoon count was running a little bit low and we were supposed to you know I was today was going to be the day I was like gonna look cute get you know we were gonna (laughs) take some pictures nope did not happen and then you couldn't find your cord to your mic so you had to run to office depot and while you were gone I took a shower (laughs) so I could wash my hair you look great thanks as beautiful as the day I met you. I'm a natural angel today. So many angels on this team. Sponsored by angels. All right, CA, let's get into it. Let's what do you got for me? do it. Okay. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So today, we are going to talk about porn. <gasps> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, they for sure intersect, just <laughs> by the way. Wait, what? Planting the seed. How... I don't want to know yet. Okay. So I'm not talking about actual porn. I'm talking about inspiration porn. Okay. But first I want to tell you a story and you have definitely heard this story before. Okay. But I'm telling it to you anyways. Sure. So do you remember my former roommate, Kay? Yes. Who does not know that I'm telling this story. (laughs) So we will be using her first initial. Shout out to Kay. Okay. So Kay and I accidentally almost joined a religious biker cult, which we might have to cover in a future cult adjacent. For sure. Yeah. A whole separate thing. Yeah. It was a really weird time in both of our lives. Um, I was an undergrad and Kay had recently like moved to Greensboro to be my roommate. Mm -hmm. We both grew up going to church and like made friends with some people from my undergrad program Mm -hmm. who invited us to their church they were from our sign language class right they were yeah yeah okay i may have gone like once Mm -hmm. or twice without Kay, and then invited Kay to go too because she i think was going to church more consistently than i was Mm -hmm. at that point in my life we get to church and the pastor of this church calls himself sheepdog oh my god (laughs) and i have stop oh yeah, it's... You know you're a cult when. <laughs> <laughs> there were some x angels in this cult. Oh! And they're, I mean, they probably still are. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. I have no idea what the hell he was preaching on this particular Sunday, but like halfway through the service, he came over and he laid a hand on Kay. No, he did not. I should probably clarify, Kay has a disability and is a wheelchair user. Yes, um, oh my god, he put his hands on her. Yeah, he like laid hands on her. No. And fortunately, like Kay and I had talked about this disability thing before mm-hmm. where like she grew up in a very religious community um, where laying hands like to heal people mm-hmm. is not unusual. It's just super uncomfortable and highly problematic. So anyways, my eyes get really wide and I look over and her eyes are really wide and we just kind of stare at each other like, what the oh, fuck do no. we do now? And he prayed for God to heal her and Mm -hmm. all these things. And at the end of the service, we, like, made a beeline for the door. 
and he stopped us and he like comes up to me and he says I just want to thank you so much for bringing Kay here today and then he like kneeled down and got eye to eye with Kay and was like thank you so much for inspiring everyone you brought so much joy to this day oh and looking back, like, there are a million things I wish I could have said. Yeah. Um, but instead, we got to the car and then, the f- like, just got out of there. <laughs> bye, bye. We laughed the whole way home. She oh was like, God. I showed up at church. Yeah. I mean, I'm beautiful and flatter, but. Right. So she's, she's saying, you know, like, I didn't do anything to be thanked for, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I'm actually kind of glad that this experience happened when it did, because yeah. otherwise we may have actually accidentally joined a cult. <laughs> um, but oh, no. neither of us ever went back, obviously. Yeah. And it's it made us really uncomfortable. Just neither of us really had the language for why it made us super uncomfortable sure. back then. I mean, Kay is an amazing person, and the fact that she showed up and listened to a sermon is not the reason that she's amazing. Right. In fact, it might be the least interesting thing about her like (laughs) i would have to agree yeah yeah we're gonna jump back in time just a little bit from now but after we almost joined the cult so almost joining the cult would have been like 2011 Mm -hmm. 12 maybe so we're going to go to 2014 okay and there is a woman named stella young who gave a ted talk called i'm not your inspiration thank you very much Yes, Stella. She's fantastic. We love Stella. In this talk, Stella didn't share like any kind of laying of hands story, but she did share that at the age of 15, someone in her town wanted to nominate her for a Community Achievement Award, Mm -hmm. which is cool and awesome, except that she hadn't actually done anything. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Right. Like, showing up at church does not mean that you're an inspiration. Sure. Existing in the world does not mean that you deserve a Community Service Award. Sure. Stella also has a disability called osteogenesis imperfecta, or brittle bone disease. A little background on brittle bone, it's also called glass bones and it's basically where your bones break really easily Mm -hmm. there are four types the most mild results in like maybe minor fractures or teeth that chip really easily okay um and the most severe cases children often will die in utero or short shortly after birth Mm. stella has type three which results in a short stature lots of breaks and the use of a wheelchair okay so stella is like chilling in her room age 15 Watching Probably Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Pretty angsty. As I'm one sure. does. Yeah. <laughs> and someone wants to nominate her for this award, and her parents are like, cool, but she has to do something first. Like, yeah. outside of having a disability, she just hasn't. Right. She's 15. She's not doing shit. <laughs> like, she's like none of us are at 15. Exactly. She's just a normal kid. Wow. Well, good for her parents for. for I I appreciate that a lot for being that involved. Me too. And I think that there's, and we'll talk more about like different types of disability and how people treat people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's basically what a lot of this is about anyways. But I think that there's also like sometimes having supportive parents or parents who don't, you know, further perpetuate like your inability to do things Mm -hmm. can really be a good push to to do things. Yes. Sure. Okay, so later, Stella did actually grow up to be a badass. At one point, she was teaching a high school class on legal studies when someone in the class raised their hand and asked when she was going to start doing her speech. 
Uh-oh. This was like in the first week or two of school, I assume. Mm-hmm. Stella realized pretty quickly that this youth had only ever experienced disabled people as objects of inspiration. And she... Oh, yeah, okay. right? Like, okay, I see. If you've only ever had a teacher up to high school who, you know, was not a wheelchair user. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden you have a disabled teacher and the only time you've seen disabled teachers is in the auditorium or disabled people's in the auditorium when they're telling you, you know, how to be happy. Right. How to inspire you. If I can do exactly. it, you can do it. Yeah. Oh my God. I think about all those uh, posters, all those high school posters about oh, yep. motivation, literally inspiration. That's exactly where we're going with this. That is wow. inspiration porn. That's exactly what this is. Shit. So um, she points out in her TED Talk, for lots of us, disabled people are not our teachers, our doctors, our manicurists. We are not real people. We are there to inspire. She goes on to say, um, we've been told the lie that disability is a bad thing. Capital B, capital T, bad thing. And to live with a disability makes you exceptional. And it's not. And it doesn't make you exceptional. Mm, Wow. So Stella coined this term, um, inspiration porn, very deliberately uh, because images and videos like the ones you were just mentioning objectify one group of people for the benefit of another group of people. Yeah. Wikipedia defines inspiration porn as the portrayal of people with disabilities as inspirational solely or in part on the basis of their identity. Inspiration porn can be images, videos, and memes or whatever else of disabled people that use to motivate able-bodied people, suggesting that if it's disabled person can accomplish something then surely an able-bodied person can Mm. like just like the posters in you know the hallways at school that you're imagining and i'm going to be so bold as to take this a smidge further and say that it just reduces disabled people and their place in society to what they're able to do for able-bodied people yeah which is porn like you're objectifying a population of people for your own benefit yeah this is blowing my mind right now I so I'm super fascinated by this subject, especially because like the language around this did not exist in an accessible way for a long time. I mean, you could talk sure. about it intellectually about why all of these things are inappropriate and what they do to disabled people, but having a short and concise term is yeah. really important. Yeah. I think it's also people are constantly trying to put other people in boxes so that they're mm-hmm. easily understood. And I think a lot of us, a lot of people in general use other people to make themselves feel better in yeah. so many capacities. Oh, I agree. And, um, but yeah, absolutely. Like literally making somebody so small to fit in such a small space in your mind for your own benefit. I've never thought about it like that before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So the one that you were thinking of is similar to one that I saw, which is a quote from Scott Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. (laughs) His son, Scott, Mm -hmm. um, who says that the only disability in life is a bad attitude. Oh. Except that Scott Hamilton is not a disabled person. Yeah, yikes. But the picture is often like an individual who's visibly disabled, like someone with limb differences or uses a wheelchair, maybe has Down syndrome. As a wheelchair user, Stella says, quote, no amount of smiling at a flight of stairs has ever turned it into a ramp. Hmm. It's not about your attitude. Right. Radiating a positive attitude at a TV won't make closed captions appear. Yeah. Preach. 
you know, to get the full scope of this, and really Stella is the expert here, so we will share her TED Talk in our notes for this week. Yes, we will. And you need to go and listen immediately after finishing this episode. But seeing children running on carbon fiber legs or a child hearing for the first time, etc., is all actually pretty problematic when that's the only thing that you're recognizing them for. Yeah. Like, I... So I, my alma mater for grad school um, is a university for the deaf and hard of hearing in D.C. called Gallaudet. And we're going to talk about Gallaudet in just a minute. Go Rams. Bison. Bison. <laughs> Whatever. But when I first started going to the school, people kept sending me videos of kids hearing for the first time. Oh, my either, God. Like, no. because they had hearing aids or cochlear implants. And, like, everyone who was sharing them was like, oh, this is so sweet. Like, look at this person hearing. There's, like, Sarah McLaughlin in the background. <laughs> exactly. Arms of yeah. an angel. But Ugh. when you're... Some when, ASPCA shit, that's literally what it is. Yeah, yeah. But you're reducing that specific kid to that moment when they're no longer acting disabled, mm-hmm. and then you're watching it for your own benefit. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to inspire or motivate you or tell you something about Make disability. Make you feel better about your, your own yeah. situation. Like, 1,000%. I know I say that all the damn time, <laughs> but I mean it. I think I said it in our last episode. <laughs> but things aren't so bad for you, because at least you're not that person right like thank goodness <gasps> right oh, I'm getting fired up CA <laughs> Stella goes on to describe the social model of disability which I'm itching to cover but I think we need to lay a little bit more groundwork first so we might get to that later um, in short it basically means looking at society as disabling a person and not the person being disabled and therefore needing to adapt to society so the responsibility should not be on the person who's just trying to exist No. Disabled people do have to overcome things, but it's not their bodies. It's the barriers that society has put in place. Inspiration porn others disabled people and portrays disability as a burden as opposed to addressing the obstacles that disabled people face every day. It reduces a complex identity of a person to just looking at their disability and that they must always be inspirational. Right. That's your purpose. Yeah. Why else are you here if not to inspire us? In an article written by Lauren Beller called Inspiration Porn, How to Feel Good, imagery demeans the disabled community and perpetuates harmful stereotypes, which is a very long name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lauren shares a slogan that's commonly used within the disability advocism community. Is Mm -hmm. advocism a word? It is Advocacy? Advocism? The other ism. Reading it, it looks right. Saying it out loud, it does not sound right. Um, but the quote is, or the, the mantra is, presume competence. And she says that with the right supports and services, we can all achieve success. This goes back to how disability really is a social construct and why we should view it through the lens of a social model of disability rather than a medical model, mm-hmm. which presumes that something needs to be fixed about the person. Yeah. Like those kid hearing for the first time videos. Yeah. So there's also this really interesting Venn diagram around disability that we will super share. But basically, there are two circles. And in one circle, it says not disabled enough. Mm -hmm. And the other circle, it says too disabled. And the middle is inspiration porn. Mm. So our society doesn't want to take care of people who are not disabled enough. We don't even see them most of the time. Like, Think back to spoon theory. I was just about to say. Yeah. Got it. Um, Unrecognizably, visually disabled, perhaps. Right. Or so minor, like not minor because because any disability is difficult to 
to work through in our society, which is supremely ableist. By not receiving appropriate supports and benefits, people in this category might be seen as lazy or they might lack suitable or accessible jobs or accommodations because they're just not disabled enough. Or they might not receive proper care because perhaps caretakers or parents might not want them to be perceived That's as a great disabled. Point. Yeah. So they're not receiving that. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, what yeah. they need. And then you have your too disabled group of people who are seen as a burden. Like their independence is thwarted. As a society, we want people like Goldilocks and the Three Bears wanted their porridge. Not too hot, not too cold. Just, just right. Hashtag just right. Hashtag I know that's right. One of my favorite things that Stella points out is that we should be learning from disabled people. Mm-hmm. Not that we're learning that we're luckier than them, but rather ways that they've adapted to overcome systems that just weren't built with them in mind and actually hinder their success for everyday tasks. Quote, learning strength and endurance, not against our bodies and our diagnoses, but against a world that exceptionalizes and objectifies us, which is why the lie that we've been sold about disabilities is the greatest injustice. Mm. We should be inspired by the way that someone does something, not the fact that they're alive, is really what it boils down to. Sure. Okay, so back to Gallaudet, my alma mater. They are working to advance architecture through something called universal design, which takes into consideration the needs of disabled people from the beginning rather than modifying on the back end. For example, uh, choosing paint colors that contrast with skin tone so that deaf, blind people or people with low vision are able to see better. Mm-hmm. Having wider hallways that are curved rather than like having narrow, sharp turns. Yeah. Um, so that wheelchair users have better access to the space and because you need more personal space when you're signing with someone versus communicating verbally or audibly. So we'll probably cover universal design more later too. Yeah, I feel like while you were saying that, I was thinking about how architecture is not, I mean, it's extremely ableist and only concerned with being beautiful, sometimes not even necessarily... Functional. Thank you. That's the word. Yeah. Functional. Yeah. I mean, you see houses all the time and you're like, how does that even work? <laughs> and obviously regulations have changed. Right. But back to the preventable chat or avoidable tragedies, right. like people won't make changes unless they're required to. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not. People are, are looking out, seeing how we can uh, make things more accessible, especially if it's not, quote, right. beautiful or conventionally attractive to a a buyer yeah no i agree and we've all seen those architecture fails where like they forget to like they'll have an elevator but it will be in a place that's not actually accessible like you have to go up steps to get Uh to the elevator right or things like that which are just i mean they're funny to look at but how on earth did people that was somebody's idea (laughs) somebody was somebody's whole whole idea yeah and thankfully the ada has a a mandate about places being accessible Mm -hmm. especially those that are new construction yeah they've grandfathered in a lot of older places Mm -hmm. however some like there's no money associated with the ada so the ada is the americans with disabilities act and it says that you have to have reasonable accommodations right which basically means, like, if you're deaf and you need to go to a doctor's appointment, then the doctor needs to provide an interpreter. Like, that should not be your responsibility. Mm-hmm. It also means that places need to be wheelchair accessible. Mm-hmm. And, you know... It's accommodations within an undue hardship right. clause. Yeah. Right. But there's 
like no money associated with it. So a lot of these things, if businesses don't understand or don't want to provide and the the person who's requesting the services or supports doesn't know better, they might feel like they have to provide their own accommodations, mm-hmm. which is also really frustrating. Yeah. So another way we can dismantle the idea that disabled people um, are inspirational is, in addition to deconstructing the systems that hinder their access, is to see more disabled people in professional roles that they may not have historically had access to due to lowered expectations, poor educational opportunities, and other societal barriers. Prejudice. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. The more we see disabled teachers, doctors, and lawyers, and people in every other trade, then we'll begin to challenge some of these stereotypes that disenfranchise people with disabilities based on the lack of assumption, or based on the assumption of ability or lack thereof. Mm. But like this is a two-way street. I mean, how do you get more people into these roles mm-hmm. without first changing stereotypes? And how do you change stereotypes without seeing people in these roles? Right. So Shonda Rhimes. Oh, Shonda. I love my girl Shonda. Has historically written incredibly diverse casts for her shows, including disabled people. Mm-hmm. And I, so Shonda Rhimes wrote like, Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, Station 19, Private Practice, How to Get Get Away away with with Murder, murder. a few others, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And I don't... What's what's the network that's on? Is that CW? I don't... Netflix? (laughs) Hulu? (laughs) Netflix, yeah. Um, But she has her own, like, Thursday Night Shondaland lineup. How does she do it? It, That's a great question. She she doesn't sleep? I don't understand because like well, all of her stuff is consistently good. So she's either yeah. like handpicking the people on her team, which I'm sure she is at this oh, point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know how she's got the time for it. That's an amazing question. She wrote a book called Year of Yes that I read a couple of years ago. Mm. Really, really well done. But she's how also the fuck a, does she have time for a book? Well, she's also a single mom with three kids. Oh, my God. Like I just this woman is Wonder Woman. How is she single? <laughs> I think she's single by choice. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly, but I think that that's what she said. Anyway, so back to Grey's Anatomy, which I am rewatching for the 100th time. I think it's my comfort time. show. Yeah. Okay, so I don't love the way that she's portrayed every single disabled character who's ever graced the Grey's Anatomy screen, mm-hmm. but she's improved so much over the years. For example, she recently wrote a deaf doctor named Lauren Riley. And they hired a deaf actress for this role named Shoshana Stern. So not only are we seeing a deaf doctor portrayed on TV, but we're seeing a successful, highly accomplished deaf actress playing this brilliant doctor. Which is super important. I think we've seen a lot of times where they're casting. Well, think about like, I don't know if you saw the movie, the movies Hush and A Quiet Place. I haven't seen either one of them because I am a terrible person. Great. This is, I feel like might be the first time that I've seen movies that you haven't seen. I feel like every other episode, you name a movie. and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay. So in Hush, a deaf writer like escapes to the woods and then is stalked by a serial killer. Oh no. Um, And it's supposed to be terrifying. I think it was actually loosely somehow connected to the Gallaudet murders that happened in like 2000, 2001. Okay. I was about to make an into the woods joke, but I won't anymore. (laughs) No, definitely not an into the woods. (laughs) joke maybe a uh 
Evil Dead joke. Oh, okay. That could be a good cult movie. Mm -hmm. We need Mm -hmm. to add that to our list. But they did not hire a deaf actress to play this role. Yeah. Compared to A Quiet Place where there's a deaf girl Mm -hmm. and everyone on the set learned some sign language to be able to communicate with her. Great. That's you doing it right. Like they hired a deaf actress to play this role. It was amazing. Yeah. And that's exactly what we should be doing. Yeah. Sia has a new movie called Music that's about an autistic girl and starring Maddie Ziegler, who um, you may or may oh not know. Oh my God, it has 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. 8%? 8% score. Okay, I'm going to tell you what's so wrong about this movie. Okay, so it's starring Maddie Ziegler, who is not autistic. The autism, Oh, the dancer. Yeah. The autism community has been completely outraged for several reasons. First and foremost, Sia passed over an actual autistic actor for this role Mm -hmm. because the actor was too overwhelmed for the set and Sia did not want to make the set accessible Accessible. to the person. Wow. Second, and even more problem, well, equally problematic, there are scenes where the autistic character is being restrained. Yikes. And it is not appropriate it is not done well so i love sia's music as much as the next person but she fucked up and the autism community is really encouraging people to boycott this movie so the fact that it has an eight percent on rotten tomatoes tells me that that worked so this is really gonna piss you off that it's got some nominations no it absolutely will not be nominated for anything no it, it does I reject that. <laughs> it does. It has Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. What? Yes. Best Actress for Kate Hudson. She's in it, too. Oh. Okay. We're going to have to have a full-blown ah! conversation after we stop Let recording. Let me call her. Girl, what you doing? Girl, get your girl. Uh, girl, get your girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Girl, get your girl. Um, yikes, that is uh, not great. No, I'm going to be fuming about that for a few days. Yeah, Stay okay. out of my so way. So instead of making it accessible for the actress who has autism, mm-hmm. she chose to hire her, uh, I mean, essentially Maddie is like her protege. That's her Yeah, but her, in a um, creepy kind muse. of way. Yeah. Yeah. But Maddie is also a child. Like Maddie, not not anymore. But when she first started working with Sia, yeah, oh yeah, we're she gonna have to now. come back to all of that because this a lot this to podcast unpack. is supposed to be an hour long. And at this point, if we go down that rabbit hole, it's gonna be at least a five hour podcast. You're not wrong. Okay, so um, a few things I would like to tie up here at the end. Uh, number one, disability is not a bad word. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people are really uncomfortable with the word disability. And I think that if we view it from a way in which society has disabled people, like as a verb, not an adjective, mm-hmm. then maybe that might be easier for some people to understand why disability is not a bad word. Mm-hmm. And we can get into all the nuances of the word disability at a later time. There's also been a lot of noise within certain activist circles about using person first rather than identity first language over the past few years and this is another conversation again for another episode but for most of this episode i chose to use identity first language because many of the disabled folks that i know prefer identity first language and that's what stella herself used 
Mm-hmm. At least one person referenced in this episode prefers person-first language, which is also really valid. And mm-hmm. for that specific person, I did use person-first language. The argument is about empowerment and dismantling ableism. Ultimately, the words deaf, autistic, and disabled are not bad words. However, it is up to that person, and it's not a bad idea to just ask whatever that person prefers. Yes. Lastly, shortly after giving this talk, uh, Stella Young died at the age of 32. Mm, yeah. In December of 2014. She was an Australian comedian, journalist, and disability rights activist. Mm -hmm. So. Jesus also died at 32, so link up there. (laughs) (laughs) I think. Do the new section. I think. All right. I think. Don't quote me on it. Uh, Don't quote you on the podcast where you were literally just recorded saying Jesus died at 32. I don't think I'm going to have to do that work. Great. Very okay. interesting topic. Thank you. I thought that uh, that I that has forever changed the way that I think about it. I think you know, we're faced with a lot of uh, content and information every single day and uh, we process it as best we can, but hearing something outside of your normal box I think is really important. Yeah. Um and I am grateful for you because you always shine things in a new light in a new light. Aww, so thank, thank you. you. That's so sweet. Um, I just think that this is such a great opportunity to talk about why language matters and why so many of these topics matter. And also like not making assumptions about other people. Yeah. It's so problematic. We're all stuck in these little, you know, our own, think of your COVID bubble. That's your people. Most likely they look like you and they are just like you. Yeah. We need more diversity in all of our lives. Well, and I'm hoping that post-COVID, when we can actually go out and do things again, that Mm -hmm. our circles will get a little bit bigger. Maybe not too much bigger at first. I've got so much anxiety all the time. So here I I was thinking that we were going to have some intersectionality, but (laughs) the answer is probably not. Okay. This is the week of the not. Are you ready? Is your body ready? Because we are going to be talking. I just snapped. (laughs) We are going to be talking about Playboy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's get into this. Okay. Playboy magazine is described as, quote, a men's lifestyle and entertainment magazine. In the same way that Scott Hamilton's poster is described as inspirational. It was founded in 1953 by a man named Hugh Hefner. Oh, Hugh? Oh, Hugh! (laughs) This whole thing? (laughs) Um, his mother gave him the initial loan of $1,000 to begin the publication, which I think is like super interesting. Um, She's like, go live your dreams. <laughs> so proud of you. Such a supportive mom. I love a good supportive mom. Mm-hmm. Also, $1,000 in what year? Do we know? 1953. Okay. So that's a little bit more than $1,000 today. Yeah. Also, there was more. I think it was like, well, we'll yeah. Okay. We're crossing that bridge. Cool. Cool. Hugh graduated from the University of Illinois with a psychology major, Um, so maybe he possibly would have had a psychology podcast had that been the time. (laughs) He went to work in Chicago for Esquire magazine, and he also worked for a magazine called, quote, Children's Activities magazine. I do not. I am uncomfortable. (laughs) Don't love it. Don't hate it. Just an interesting fact. Um, So he worked as a circulation promotions manager. No idea what that is. Sounds like something with marketing, maybe? 
Like, yeah, yeah. Basically, he was like, "How are we gonna um, circulate circulate this? the promotions?" We're doing great. You heard it here first, folks. First. <laughs> oh my god. This is where he began to plan his own magazine, and he planned to call it Stag Party. <laughs> Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> um. He formed a publishing corporation called HMH Publishing and convinced an old friend named Eldson Seller to join the team. Eldson joined to help, and his job was basically to find investors. So they had his mother's initial 1,000% dollars, and eventually they raised about $8,000, which was the initial cost. Okay. However, the men's adventure magazine called Stag informed Hefner that basically they'd file a lawsuit if they used their name. So they tossed around a couple of ideas and I'm going to share them with you. Ooh, okay. Top hat. Huh. Gentleman. I think that one's taken too. Sir. Ooh. Satire. Uh-uh. Pan. P-A-N? P-A-N. As in pots and pans? Like or P- as in Peter pansexual? Pan? Peter Pan? Well, all the above. Okay. I like, I like the pansexual one better. Uh, bachelor. Oh, that could have been fitting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Coming up. Okay. Before uh, they finally set on settled on Playboy. Uh, I, I feel like they may have had another winner if they just kept going mm-hmm. long enough. I just don't love the name Playboy. Yeah. I mean, it has some connotations. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Stag Party, I feel like set, sets the bar at a certain level. Uh, and Playboy is about 52 notches below that. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know it's like when when you were thinking about names for your pet or your child, <laughs> you name it, you name them, and then all of a and sudden you can't you can't picture anything it. else. Yeah, once they start answering to it, it's all you're over. done. Yeah, game over. The very first issue was published in December in 1953. The very first centerfold featured the living legend Marilyn Monroe. I love her. Yes. She's gorgeous. So gorgeous. Um, What an icon. Um, He chose what he thought was the, quote, sexiest image for the cover. And these images were actually from a calendar shoot that she had already done. So they weren't even shot specifically for the cover of this magazine, which I thought was really interesting. That is interesting. Um, I mean, they only had like an $8,000 startup fund. So they right. probably... He's like, what you got? Could not have <laughs> Your paid name is a Marilyn. Is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? <laughs> So basically, these images were borrowed, but it was a huge success, and the first issue sold out completely. Well, entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And that's probably because the first copy costs 50 cents. So they were really not looking for a high return on investment. Correct. <laughs> They're like, take it. <laughs> it's basically free. <laughs> An original first edition sold for $5,000 in 2002. Um, how do... Which would... Uh, that's like 20 years ago almost, so I don't even know what they're selling wait. for now. Pause. My brain had to process that. 2002 is 20 years ago. 2002 right. yeah. is... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's cool. Cool, cool. I feel old. <laughs> In 1954, Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451 was featured in issues of Playboy in March, April, and May as a serial. Isn't that I crazy? I really love to read that because yeah. I really love Ray Bradbury and mm-hmm. it's a great book. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to get my hands on with that. I can just picture like the the person who's like itching to buy their Playboy to see the next installation <laughs> of Fahrenheit 451. Well, I was reading about Stephen King 
in his book on writing and he talks about how he really got his start writing for magazines mm-hmm. and like just submitting little stories from month to month yeah and that's the how serial got started. was definitely a huge it was a really really big thing yeah yeah i hate that it's not maybe it still is a big thing i don't know i don't read magazines well people like short stories and i think features are right s- still exist in you certain... buy it for the boobs and keep it for the books there oh put that on merch <laughs> A conspiracy theory began surrounding the cover of the magazine in 1955. So hear me out. I love a good conspiracy theory. So from 55 to 79, surrounding the P in Playboy, there were a certain number of stars. Okay. Okay. The theory was, depending on the number of stars that was given, it was by Hugh Hefner himself, according to A, how attractive the centerfold was. Or B, the number of times that he slept with her. <gasps> or C, how good she was in bed. Oh my gosh. Yes. So how many stars was the max? Do we know? I think 13. That's a really random number of stars. Yeah, it was a lot. But it turns out that the stars actually indicated the advertising region, either domestically or internationally. Oh, that's less interesting. A little more, yeah. I but mean, very, I'm um, actually pretty glad that that's the Yeah, answer, but like, you know, it's very shameful. And and it goes back to all kinds of shit that we talk about. Just like putting it all back on the, on the centerfold. You know, it's interesting already thinking a little bit about intersectionality. Just, I feel like the intersectionality for this one is in some ways super obvious in the ways that we're objectifying bodies. Yeah. But to be so bold as to put it on the, or assume that that's what's on the cover of the magazine really people love me gossip out. people love i mean people I mean, are already intrigued by sex story. anyway yeah that's why they're buying the magazine yeah and you know and everybody knows that hugh hefner had a very open life and mm-hmm. he had a lot of relationships yep a lot of partners um polyamorous for the majority of his life so i mean it's not un you know i mean it's, it's not, not a far-fetched thing to think but it's like it's advertising. <laughs> the magazine reached its peak in the 1970s. It wasn't until 1971 that they featured their first African-American centerfold. Her name was Doreen Stern. Mm-hmm. Do we know her from anything? Nope. Is she well known? No? Not that I know of. I, I didn't. When I, we'll have it on the Instagram while we can, but I didn't recognize her. Oh, okay. But due to similar magazines kind of joining the same kind of theme here, access to other types of erotic image became really accessible. So are we thinking like Hustler and Larry Flint? mm -hmm, Yep. Larry Flint filthy. So they had to rebrand a few times. Their goal then became to appeal to the 18 to 35 market. So they kind of narrowed their margins a little bit. They're like, let's appeal to everyone. Well, right. 18 to 35 is kind of what they were going for. Yeah. Quote, Christy Hefner, daughter of founder Hugh Hefner, joined Playboy in 1975 and became head of the company in 1988. Yes, Christy. (laughs) I don't know that I knew that he had a daughter. Mm -hmm. And also how interesting that they had a female like head of the company. They did have a lot of female. Creepy that it's your dad's company. And it's you think so? Yeah. Well, she ends up... We really like Christy. Just foreshadowing. Oh, cool. She's a boss-ass bitch. Okay, I love that. Okay. Continue. She announced in December of 2008 that she would be stepping down from leading the company effective in January 2009 and said that the election of Barack Obama as the next president had inspired her to give more time to charitable work and that yes. the decision to step down was her own. 
Good for her. All right, we like Christy. She says, quote, just as this country is embracing change in the form of new leadership, I have decided that now is the time to make changes in my own life as well, she said. Good for her. Yeah. All right, big fan. Big fan. I mean, 1988 to 2009? That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. Also, like, to be, like, riding the coattails of your dad. And, like, I'm sure she was a fantastic business person. Obviously, it was super successful. Yeah. But understanding that she's like, look, I want to do something else that maybe, like, affects people in different ways. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In March 2020, the CEO of Playboy announced that spring 2020 edition would be the last printed issue of the magazine. Spring 2020. So that's going, like, right into covid Correct. Um, people aren't reading as much exactly printed material anymore. Yep. It would move its publication to exclusively online. This was due partially due to COVID-19. Oh. So now we know a little bit about the history of the magazine. But what I'm really interested in is Hugh Hefner himself and also his girlfriends. <laughs> so that's <laughs> what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Great. Hugh Hefner has been married three times and claims to have slept with over a thousand women. One zero 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 percent. Wow. Yes. He has had many girlfriends over his 91 years of life. You don't say. Mm hmm. Um, and a lot of the info I got was from an insider article that I am about to discuss. And by that, I mean all of it. Um, <laughs> so Hugh Hefner married his first wife, Mildred Williams, in 1949. Hugh and Mildred. What I know. God, so old-timey couple's name. They met at Northwestern University. Both parties were unfaithful in this marriage, which is a familiar theme that we'll see throughout Hugh Hefner's relationships. Sure. Um, they stayed together for a decade and had two children. Okay. So this is uh, Christy's mom. Christy's mom. Yep. Hefner dated Barbara Lynn Klein from 1969 to 1976 and convinced her to change her name to Barbie Benton. Oh, the OG. The OG, which I love the name Barbie. I love the name Barbara. I can't help it. My grandmother's name is Barbara. Is it? It is. Barbara Ann. Barbara Ann. Barbara Benton. Barbara Ann Benton appeared on the cover of Playboy <laughs> in 1969, 1970, 1972, and 1985. So she was a favorite. Fan Apparently. Fan. She had a lot of stars around her name, <laughs> if you know what I mean. After dating Hefner, she married real estate developer Greg Gradeau in 1979. Next, we've got Shannon Tweed. Shannon Tweed dated Hugh Hefner briefly after being named the 1982 Playmate of the Year. Shannon dated Hefner until she started dating the Kiss singer Gene Simmons. Oh, okay. Who she married in 2011. Younger model. And they have two children together. And also they had that reality TV show. Did you ever see that? I did not. You know, I'm not the reality TV junkie that you are. Get with the program. (laughs) This was like post like Rock of Love post like I Love New York. This was some this was like actual good TV. I think the last time I watched reality TV it was like with me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. It's got a special place in my heart. Carrie Lee is next. She lived with and dated Hefner for five years in the nineteen eighties before leaving his ass. What's her name? Carrie Lee. Carrie Lee? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does she spell it? C A R R I E. Oh, darn. Okay. Why was that gonna be you? Uh, <laughs> not in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many ways to spell Carrie, and mm-hmm. I got to catch them all. So 
Carey filed three lawsuits against Hefner after they broke up, including one for publishing unauthorized photos of her. No. No, Hugh, no. She described She described the Playboy Mansion as a cult. Add that to the list. Yep. She described that to the Washington Post in 1999. She says, quote, when you live in an environment like that, that's so different from how other people live, you start forgetting who you are and what you believe in. Sounds like a cult. Yeah. Sounds like a cult. If the shoe fits. If it looks like a cult and it smells like a cult, Mm -hmm. must be a cult. Can't go through it. Can't go under it. (laughs) Gotta go around it. (laughs) (laughs) So close. It's like the song Hotel California. Mirrors on the ceiling. Pink champagne on ice. We're all just prisoners here, you know? You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. It took me a few years after I did leave to wipe it out of my head. Wow. Poor baby. Good for her for talking about it. Yeah. I mean, that had to have been she so hard. She took that straight to the Washington Post, got herself a fat check. Yep. Unloaded all of her baggage. Good. I hope she's doing well. I hope so, too. I wish Carrie the best. So, we're still in the 80s. All right. So, we've got 40 years to go. <laughs> Kimberly Conrad became Hefner's second wife when she was 26 in 1989. Yikes. Hefner was 63. Nope. Conrad and Hefner had two children. Martson and Cooper, which both sound like dog names. A little bit. So they were separated in 1998, but Hugh Hefner waited until 2009 to, to file for divorce. So that's... To actually file for divorce. That's like 11 years? 10 years? You keep asking me about math. It's unsure. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So he but cited... a long time. Irreconcilable differences. Yeah. Like I mean, why are you waiting years, a decade? Yeah. It's 11 years. You know what I meant. Um, From the time Hefner and Conrad separated in 1998, he dated a multitude of playmates, including actress Brandi Roderick. What was she in? Do we know her? I think she was. Was she in um, Baywatch? Oh, maybe. Hefner told the Daily Beast that he dated several women at the same time, along with Roderick, for the next two years. Quote, almost at the same time, I met a pair of twins named Sandy and Mandy Bentley. Hefner told the Daily Beast of his relationship after his second wife, quote, for the next two years, my live-in girlfriends were Brandy, Mandy, and Sandy, which reads like bad fiction, <laughs> but was true, I was, quote. I was just thinking, like, you know when parents give all their kids names that start with the same letter yeah. or that all sound the same, mm-hmm. and then you just go through every name oh, on your list? Oh, my parents do that regardless. They say the dog's name before mine. <laughs> <laughs> my mom still calls me by her little sister's name. Oh, really? Yep. But that's how I imagine, like, living with three people who all have almost the exact same name. Yep. Just point to them. You. Yeah. You. I'm... They probably look really similar. He totally had a type. Oh, for sure. This is also, like, we're getting into the early 2000s now. This was in a very specific aesthetic was popular. It was the bleach blonde hair and, like, clown boobs. Yep. Barbie. Barbie was very in right now. It was a Barbie world. Marie Jordan was among one of the seven women Hefner dated in the early 2000s. So Hefner made Tina Marie Jordan the Playmate of the Month in March 2002. When Hefner and Roderick broke up, he added the bigger rotation of girlfriends, including Isabel St. James. Quote, when the relationship with Brandy broke up, I added more girls, said Hefner in a 2011 interview with the Daily Beast. Um, quote, at some point it was up to seven. Isabel, Isabella was one of those seven. 
St. James moved into the Playboy Mansion in 2002 and lived there for two years. Then we hit a new era because here come the famous Holly Madison, Bridget Marquette, and Kendra Wilkinson. Oh, them. Uh Uh-huh. The trio were featured on E's The Girls Next Door, a reality TV show. And as your blank stare suggests, you have (laughs) not seen it. I have not seen it. Okay. It was actually a really, I mean, it was... I've like heard the of it. first chance people got to see into the Playboy Mansion, which is like this thing that everybody always has fantasies about. And you hear about these crazy parties. Right. And the girls do really, really well on camera. However, I was watching a documentary recently on E! I think that was just like about reality TV in general. Um, and it was stated in there somewhere that the girls didn't get along. Really? And that they were kind of like really argumentative off camera and very separate. Oh. They never really bonded and that they were really concerned about camera time. I wonder if some of that is also related to this being like a cult and maybe forming some kind of trauma connection or trauma bond with Hugh. I don't know. Well, I don't know enough about you, it. You don't have anything else in common with these people other than they're dating the same guy. Yeah. Who's ancient. So Holly Madison was like his main girlfriend. They shared a room. They shared a bed. And then Bridget and Kendra were kind of like the the secondary girlfriends. Sure. Unfortunately for Molly, you could tell that like she really wanted to marry him. And she's she's spoken out now with some things we'll talk about in just a second. But, you know, he was kind of, you know, he'd already been divorced twice. So right. um, I think he was a little bit hesitant Kendra is now married to Philadelphia Eagles' Hank Basket. Oh, good for her. And they have two kids. After he broke up with all these three girls, or they left, he dated 20-year-old twins Carissa and Christina Shannon, who appeared on the final season of The Girls Next Door. The twins moved out of the Playboy Mansion and into the Playmate house in 2010. The two claimed the move was because they were dating younger men. Hopefully different younger men. Can you imagine dating the same person as your sibling? No, I cannot. No. No. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Nope. Hard pass. Big hard pass. Full stop. At the same time, he was dating Crystal Harris, who would eventually become his third wife. So he did get married a third time. He sure did. At the age of 250. That is correct. Hefner became engaged to a 24-year-old Harris in December of 2010. Though she broke off their engagement before their planned 2011 wedding, the two were eventually wed in December of 2012. I like it. Since Hefner's death, Harris has deleted her Instagram and her Twitter account has been set to private. It has been reported that she will inherit nothing of (gasps) Hefner's fortune due to their prenup. There has been a common overarching theme for many of these women stating that they were isolated at the mansion and financially dependent on Hugh Hefner for everything. This caused a huge power dynamic shift and eventually Hugh was in control. Holly Madison wrote a book about her experience and described her relationship to be abusive. Hugh Hefner died at the age of 91 in September of 2017. And that is Playboy. And that's Chicago. (laughs) I, so I only have known about like Playboy and Hugh Hefner peripherally. Like I've never actually given them a lot of thought. Yeah. So I feel like I learned so much. Yeah. I think also there's a weird intersection here between our two topics. I think you definitely hit it pretty on the head about the objectification. Yeah, I think that that's a lot, all Mm -hmm. of it. 
Question mark? Would we? There's probably more. No, I mean, using somebody else for your own gain. Yeah. Literally, um, I mean. Objectifying people and making them, you you said the word small earlier, but making mm-hmm. them so small that they are only what you can see. Yeah. And yeah. they're no longer complex and intricate humans with experiences. And I will say there is a difference that we do need to talk about is that in your section, we are, you were discussing people who did not give consent. Right. To be objectified or in the Playboy, you know, being in Playboy is an honor. And those women chose to be models. I mean, this is like a really big deal for them. The Hugh right. Hefner situation, and I did combine them together. But being a girlfriend as opposed to being a Playboy or a Playmate, I mean, those are two very different things. Right. So, well, and I think, I mean, looking at the objectification of women. Mm-hmm. Like, going back to whichever episode it was that we talked about where we got catcalled by a Mm nine-year-old. Like, what does our society tell us as women is acceptable for men to do and or say? Mm -hmm. And also, several people mentioned the Playboy Mansion being similar to a cult. Yep. So how much of this is them truly giving consent, which I and I hear you say that a lot of this is a big deal for them and they are proud of, you know, being connected to Playboy. And I just don't know enough about it. But I assume that there's some level of objectification still happening, if not by Hugh Hefner and the Playboy Mansion, at least by other people who are observing yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, I think I think of models and burlesque and and people who are strippers and you know that's Sex all a conscious in general. Yeah, it's yeah. all a conscious decision and oh, it's all absolutely. about the motivation behind it. I I don't think we should assume is negative. I no, mean, it's, it's, it's positive and you know there's a different culture around being a model in Playboy and then being in the culture of the Playboy Mansion where you're living. That's partying, a really important distinction. Being kind of 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 um groomed by Hefner so right. to speak you know you can easily be in Playboy and you know leave at the end of your shift and yeah. reap all the benefits you know but i think you're right about the the women who who were in the house stuck there and be and that were trapped yeah i think that there's some really interesting parallels i'm like always so curious what other people think and what our audience who may or may not be listening is thinking mm-hmm. um so if you have any other ideas about this because i feel like our topics are so uniquely connected this week like it's yeah. not there's definitely a major overlap. It's just identifying it and and processing all of it mm-hmm. that might take longer than we're, 45 we, seconds than the few <laughs> minutes we've given ourselves for this piece yeah. of our podcast. But I think that what we have done, I think, is is good and and oh, I agree. True. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. I am so excited for this episode and how wild that we picked. I know. Playboy and inspiration <laughs> porn. I, I'm always also curious, and I would really like to hear from the listeners in our DMs or at our uh, podwithoutanod at gmail.com. Do we like when our topics intersect? Because I think it's really fun like when they genuinely intersect by accident. Yeah. Like this, like when you first said it, I was like, girl, we got it. <laughs> I keep snapping, but we nailed it, you know? So I don't know if it's more interesting or more or less interesting whether our topics intersect or not. So let us know what you think. That's a great question. We should also post that question on our Instagram page. That would be so much fun. I will do that. Cool. I sure will. 
All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We love you all. Add us on Instagram. Send us an email at podwithoutanaud at gmail.com. Check us out on the worldwide web at podcastwithoutanaudience.com. We want to hear from you all because we actually have an audience. It's so exciting. (laughs) Um, But again, thank you so much for listening. And if you support us, blink twice. And if you're out there, keep listening. Thank you for listening to Podcast Without an Audience. Find us on social media at pod without an odd. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook or find us on the web at podcastwithoutanaudience.com. Shoot us an email at podwithoutanaud at gmail.com. Our cover art is created by an actual angel, Ashley Acevedo. Our music is by Zach Smith and Ted Oliver. Editing by Jacob Beeson. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and all of our nerdy content. Please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us today. Oh, and check out our Patreon for exclusive content and our pasta recipe. Again, thanks, and keep listening.